0: Our Bible reading is from 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 18, God's revelation to Elijah. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Well, I'm not sure if you uh, heard anything of what I just said It probably just sounded like a bit of noise. But you know, this is how so many people regard speaking to God uh, from a distance, hoping that if we shout loud enough or we wave, he may hear us and see us and notice us with all the noise and distractions around us, but not really knowing if he hears us or not. You know, this is not how it's meant to be. I mean, we know the best way to speak to one another to share with one another to share life with one another is when we draw close when we're face to face it's no good shouting from a distance and that's the same with the lord he doesn't shout at us from a distance to communicate his word to us he doesn't shout at us from afar to share his love with us hoping that we might hear him or not he draws near And Jesus shows us that. In fact, you know, Jesus shows us that the Father even runs to us, Luke 15, and wraps his arms around us. That's how close he wants to get to us. You know, the best way for us to hear him, the best way to know his countless thoughts towards us is to hear his still small voice when we are close to him. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Sarah, how you doing? It's really good to see, it's cold here. Yeah, I just wonder whether, yeah, yeah just is life good to you? All going okay? Over the past six weeks, we've been looking at the Bible, the written Word of God, and how it's more than a book. How it is God-inspired and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. How it's light for our feet and a lamp for our path, guiding and protecting us. How it's living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword convicting us. And how we saw last week, it's the very best food for our souls. And today I want to continue in this series as we look at God's word, the Bible for life, and how it's the still, small voice, that delicate whisper of the Lord, Speaking to us in the quiet moments, revealing truths and mysteries about who he is and who we are to him, reminding us of his love and grace so freely given and sharing his heart for our lives day by day. You know, when it comes to faith and experience, often as believers in Jesus, we we look more intently for the big experiences with God than seeking the small intimate ones with him we often place a higher value on the great miracles and signs and wonders than on the simple and the unseen acts of faith and obedience. And whilst, of course, the former's not wrong, in the sense that it is so important for us to celebrate and rejoice in the amazing healings and miracles of heart, mind, body and soul that the Lord does in our midst. And and I've witnessed many of them, including multiplication of food and physical healings, and they're amazing. But there is a pole of great worth that is missing in our faith journey when we overlook the latter. In other words, when we do not pay close attention to the delicate seeds of faith that grow up in good soil, or when we overlook the simple acts of obedience that withstand the storms of fear and doubt, or even when we ignore the still small voice that comes from the Lord to those who ears to hear, that keep us strong in Him. And it's this last point, the still small voice, that I want us to consider today as we look at this passage in 1 Kings 19 and the story of Elijah. Well, backing up a few chapters to 1 Kings 17, we're, we're introduced to this great prophet Elijah when he tells King Ahab, the, the evil king of Israel, that there's going to be a nationwide drought for a few years, verse 1. Well, not surprisingly, Ahab doesn't welcome the news. And so Elijah is told by the word of the Lord to escape from him and to go east to the brook Cherith, a brook which flows into the river Jordan. And for a while, Elijah's fed supernaturally by ravens, bringing him bread in the morning and meat in the evening as he drinks from the brook. But when the brook dries up because of lack of rain, Elijah then moves north to Zarephath on the coast in Sidon, where he lives with a widow and her son. And he's used by the Lord in the most amazing ways, not only to declare... God's word to her that her bin of flour and her jar of oil would not run dry until the rain comes. So in other words, basically each day they experience this supernatural provision of food. But he's used also when the sick son dies in bringing him back to life. And Elijah stays with this family for the next two to three years. Well, at the beginning of chapter 18, we're told after many days, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah in the third year and instructs him to present himself to King Ahab again. And eventually, Elijah meets Ahab and tells him to gather all the people and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah for a showdown on Mount Carmel. And in 1 Kings 18, verses 20 to 46, We read of this extraordinary contest between the 450 prophets of Baal and himself. And the challenge? Well, for them to call upon their God Baal to send far upon the altar with a sacrifice bull which they had prepared. And then for Elijah to do the same. And so from the, the morning sacrifice to the evening sacrifice, these prophets of Baal were shouting and dancing and cutting themselves in a frenzy and nothing happened and we're told in verse 29 there was no voice no one answered and no one paid attention elijah then gathers the people to draw near to himself he prepares his own altar and sacrifice bull and this time he lays out 12 stones around the altar representing the 12 tribes of israel and then he pours four pots of water onto the altar and he does it three times so that this offering was absolutely drenched. And then he calls upon the Lord who supernaturally sends fire onto the altar. We read in verse 38, the fire of the Lord falls and consumes the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the dust and lifts up the water in the trench. And the people see this, and they fall on their faces in worship, acknowledging the true God of Israel. They then execute all the prophets of Baal. Elijah sends King Ahab home on his chariot, And in the might of the Lord, Elijah outruns Ahab and gets to Jezreel before him. And having been told what had happened, Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, threatens to kill Elijah in the next 24 hours, and so he escapes again. This time he goes south to Beersheba and then into the Sinai wilderness. And again he's supernaturally fed and watered, this time by an angel twice. And then he heads further south to Mount Horeb, which is Sinai, and he hides in a cave. And this is where we find him in this passage. And the point is this, Elijah has been living the supernatural life. He's been tasting the big ease of experience, encounter, and eyewitness. He has seen the great and mighty power of God personally in his incredible signs and wonders, the multiplication of food, bringing a child back to life, fire from heaven on the altar, being fed by word, uh, birds and angels in the, su- uh, in the wilderness, running a marathon in supernatural speed. And I imagine if any one of those things happened to us, we would be testifying of the Lord's greatness to anyone and everyone, and we will certainly be putting it on social media and letting the world know all about it. And yet, as we see here, despite all of these things, Elijah is hiding in a cave. He's afraid and he's alone, verse 10. And the Lord speaks to him again. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, verse 11. And what is interesting is that it's it's not the great and the mighty wind tearing into the mountains breaking rocks before him, or the earthquake shaking the ground around him, or even the fire lighting up the mountain in front of him, that moves Elijah to go. What causes Elijah to wrap his face in a mantle and to go out and stand in the entrance of the cave is the delicate, whispering voice of the Lord, verse 13. And this is so significant for Elijah, and it's so significant for us too. You see, as great as these miraculous signs of wind, earth, and fire are in themselves, Elijah discovers something new about the Lord he loves and serves, and he discovers something new about himself, namely, that whatever is going on around us, Whatever force of nature or storm is raging in our midst, the Lord can always be found. And His still small voice can always be heard as we come out of our caves of hiding and enter into His presence and love. Why? Because He is there, present and waiting. The Lord is present. And waiting. See, God knows there is no replacement for us coming close to him. We just need to read the Psalms to get a taste of this, like Psalm 34. The Lord knows there's no substitute for us resting and abiding in him. I mean, Jesus shows us again and again in his life and his teaching, John 15 as an example. And our glorious Redeemer and Saviour knows there's no better way for us drawing near to Him and hearing His still, small voice. And He demonstrates this truth and this reality even when the greatest forces of nature are resounding and reverberating around us. That He can always be found in stillness, And he can be always heard in a whisper. And it's in this place of stillness that Elijah hears the word of God clearly, that his soul and his spirit is renewed, that his body is strengthened, that he's able to go back and he's to complete the work the Lord has for him. And in his case, it's anointing Hazael, king over Syria, and Jehu, king over Israel, and Elisha the prophet to take over him, verse 16. And by the way, knowing also that he's not alone. But God has reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal, verse 18. You know, yes, we need to know God's power at work in our lives. I mean, this was Paul's prayer for the church, Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. And yes, it encourages our faith when these big ease of experience and encounter and eyewitness happen in our midst. But the thing that strengthens us more than anything else, the power that renews and encourages our spirit and our soul to keep holding on more than anything else, it's not so much the big, but it's the small. It's not so much what is seen, but what is heard and whispered. The still small voice of God, wherever we are and whatever is going on in our lives. This is the voice Elijah hears, and this is the voice we can hear too. And I want to finish with this just looking at these three words still small voice. But starting first with the word voice. You know, every voice is different. You know I'm not a particular fan of the show The Voice but when I have seen it my favourite part by far is when the judges are listening to an incredible voice and then one of them slams his or her hand on the buzzer and the chair turns round and the delight and surprise in their faces as they match the voice with the person. Every voice is different. You know when I first met my wife Heather we were in a crowd of some 200 people. I met her, we chatted for a while, and then chatted to other people. And going on that first encounter, I probably would not have been able to mark out her voice over and above others in the room. But after 32 years of being married, I can be in another room and pick out her voice amongst many. I know her voice, and she knows mine. It's the same with the Lord. We grow to know the voice of God when we spend time living in the presence of God. Let me just say that again. We grow to know the voice of God when we spend time living in the presence of God. We learn to identify his voice, even with the noise all around us. When we give time, to listen to Him, reading His Word, and hearing His whispers in our inner ear. See, this is not an analysis based on some scientific experiment to work out how it happens. This is a spiritual reality based on relationship with Jesus, when in faith we position ourselves to come out of the cave of hiding and enter into His presence. And God has made this our forever reality. And in passages like in John 10, Jesus reveals how this is so. He says this, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He's talking about himself. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep and goes before them, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. See, Jesus is our shepherd. And when we give our hearts to him, we become his sheep and we come to know his voice and the voice of the Father and the Holy Spirit, which is different to any other voice. And as we come to know him in faith and as we choose to follow him in obedience, we learn to pick out his voice, even with all the noise and the distractions around us. Jesus then goes on to say to the Jews who questioned him about this. He says this, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Knowing God's voice comes with knowing him. But what about the small? Well, in this passage, small is not weak. Small is not insignificant. But small does mean crushed. This Hebrew word dak, it means crushed beaten into tiny pieces, or a very thin place or thing. Let me explain why this is a good thing. You know, some of you may know the ancient Celtic saying that says, Heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in the thin places, that distance is even shorter. Well, however such a phrase is understood in terms of place or consciousness or both, what we have here in 1 Kings 19.12 is the most remarkable revelation. Namely, that as God reveals his presence to us, and like Elijah, as we come out to him, he chooses to crush the distant. He intentionally beats into tiny pieces the obstacles that get in the way of us drawing close to him. He lovingly creates the thinnest place possible for us to hear his voice in the stillness. And the stillness is the place of rest from the storms of unrest. The stillness is the atmosphere of calm when the waves crash over the boat. The stillness is the quiet of the moment when the noise around us reverberates. The stillness is the silence of praise that invites the one who's worthy of all praise to be present. And the stillness is the entrance to know the voice of the Lord who speaks and speaks into our stillness again and again and again as we come before him, his still, small voice. You know, I think there is a simple but profound challenge for each one of us with this passage and this word. And it comes in the form of the choices we make. See, we all have the choice when it comes to hearing the voice of God, his still small voice, and knowing the whispers of love and his leading and his light and his life. See, we can choose to stay in the cave and hide We can choose to shout from a distance, a bit like I did at the beginning, and hope that you hear. We can choose to enter his presence and know. We can choose to be in the cave and grumble. We can choose to be at the distance and question. Or we can choose to enter his presence and hear. To hear his delicate, intimate, life-giving words in those, quiet moments together. And yes, we know all around us, you know, there are so many distractions. If you like crashing mountains of pressure and busyness, shaking grounds of fear and anxiety, fiery explosions of anger and judgments around us and so on. So many reasons for us wanting to bury our heads and hide in the caves or just stand at a distance. And God knows all of these things. He knows our hearts. He knows everything about us intimately more than we do. But actually more than we know, he delights when we trust him with the small and the unseen. He delights when we draw near to him to hear his voice as Elijah did and to find strength in him. And so my encouragement to each one of us is let's be intentional day by day. Let's make more time moment by moment to listen and to learn to hear and to mark out and to identify the still small voice of calm, the still small voice of love, the still, small voice of the Lord as he speaks to us. Let's pray together. I just want to encourage each one of us just to have a moment of quiet, to listen to him. You know, the voice of God is always positive. When Jesus says, I've come to give you life, life in all its fullness. Everything that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit speaks to us is about life in its fullness. If we hear negative, that's from the enemy. If we hear a questioning, an accusation, that's him or ourselves or, if you like, the world speaking against us. But everything that God says is positive. It's about life and life in all its fullness. And I just want to encourage us just in this moment to allow God to speak. To listen to his voice. Father God, we thank you for your still, small voice. Would you teach each one of us in the power of the Holy Spirit to know you more, to have time with you to know your voice, be able to mark your voice out, even in the busyness of life and the distractions around us. And to be strengthened as you speak of your love, of the life that you have for us, day by day, moment by moment. Open our ears, open our hearts to hear your still small voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for our service. It's so good to be together. And as I draw this service to a close, let me pray God's blessing upon you, upon your households, those that he has placed on your hearts as well. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and always. Amen. Well, have a wonderful rest of the day and week and take care. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Bye for now.